This is the day that God has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. My name is Elliot Munn, and I am the pastor here of the Virgins Congregational Church, an open and affirming congregation of the United Church of Christ. That means whoever you are or wherever you are on life's journey, you're welcome here. Please rise and body our spirit for our call to worship. Earth tamer, ocean pourer, mountain maker, hill dresser, muzzler of sea storm and wave crash, of crowds in noisy riot, far and wide they'll come to a stop, they'll stare in awe and wonder. Dawn and dusk take turns calling, come and worship. Oh, visit the earth, ask her to join the dance. Snow crown the peaks with splendor, scatter rose petals down your paths. All through the wild meadows, rose petals, set the hills to dancing. Let them shout and shout and shout. Oh, oh, let them sing.
Now please join me in prayer. God of the still small voice, why is it so hard to rest in your presence? Phones buzzing, calendars full, tasks never done. There is so much demanding our attention. Slow us down, God. Draw us into truer prayer and humbler living. Let your spirit of simplicity greet us here. In Christ we pray. Amen. First reading today is Psalm 65. Praise is due to you, O God in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed, O you who answer prayer. To you all flesh shall come. When deeds of iniquity overwhelm us, you forgive our transgressions. Happy are those whom you choose and bring near to live in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and your holy temple. By awesome deeds, you answer us with deliverance, O God of our salvation. You are the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas. By your strength, you establish the mountains you are girded with might. You're, you silence the roar of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples. Those who live at Earth's farthest bounds are awed by your signs. You make the, ghetto, the gateways of the morning and the evening shout for joy. You visit the Earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide the people with grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your wagon tracks overflow with riches. The pastures of the wilderness overflow the hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. The second reading is from Luke chapter 8, verses 9 to 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves 
that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather the other, rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Imagine a Sunday morning at our church during prayers of the people. And Fred Rogers is here, and he takes the microphone. He's feeling sentimental. And by the way, I, kn I know Fred Rogers has passed away. That, yeah. And he begins giving thanks for some of his meaningful accomplishments. I am grateful to have lived in a time when television was new and surging in popularity, he prayed. I feel so blessed that a youngster like me could have an opportunity to broadcast a show conveying God's unconditional love to children all over the world for more than 30 years. God, I thank you that I am not like all the others creating programs to exploit children for profit. We, the congregation, are misty-eyed as he hands over the microphone. Oh, to be in the presence of such greatness. Amen. Next, a reality TV, TV producer raises his hand, and a deacon brings him the microphone. He's not famous, but he sure is infamous for dreaming up shows about childhood beauty queens, such as toddlers and tiaras, and here comes Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> Racked with contrition after Mr. Rogers' prayer, his eyes are looking at, down at the floor when he mutters, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. While no one is recruiting this producer to be our new coordinator of children and family ministries, we nod at his forthrightness and the intensity of his feeling. He's no Fred Rogers, but he could certainly use a church home too. We would resist the exercise of evaluating 
whose prayer God receives with more favor. And yet, if you pushed us, we would probably go with the Protestant saint. In Jesus' eyes, however, that would be a mistake. He would say, the producer went down to his home justified, rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, but all who humble themselves will be exalted. Today's gospel lesson offers a fitting parallel. Rather than Mr. Rogers, we have a Pharisee. Although it's common for us now to use the term Pharisee as a synonym for hypocrite or stickler for rules, that doesn't line up with the first century view. The Pharisees were a group of reformers who decentralized the temple in Jewish piety. They encouraged lay practices and actively resisted the Roman occupation. In this way, they had much in common with Jesus and were respected. And as I have mentioned before, tax collectors were scum in the opinion of Jesus' listeners. To be a tax collector was to have a government license to steal. In fact, the right to collect taxes was purchased from the Roman government. You made more money, uh, made money by collecting more than what was due from the people without the power to push back. Much like reality television today, it was a sleazy business. The listener would expect the Pharisee to be justified in God's eyes. Even if his prayer does sound a bit self-aggrandizing to us, it is biblical. Thanking God for not being like sinners is a form of prayer found in the Psalms. Gratitude for the righteous pass over a harmful one was not unusual at all. In contrast to the Pharisee, the tax collector's prayer is simple and humble. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He does not try to soften up God by weighing his good deeds against the bad. He acknowledges that he is, in fact, a sinner in need of God's help. By claiming that God justifies even this man, Jesus offers a countercultural vision of God that is courageously gracious. There are no elaborate hoops to jump through. A simple confession is enough to set us right with God. Now, if you're feeling a bit of whiplash from previous week's reading, that means you've been paying attention. Last week, Jesus told the story of a corrupt, corrupt judge who reluctantly granted justice to a destitute widow. To illustrate how God will do far more for those who persevere for God's vision than the corrupt judge. Today, he tells the story of God snubbing a just Pharisee and favoring a swindler. Jesus is admittedly sending some mixed messages. To straighten things out, it is worth noting two important theological themes at work in Luke. The first is that the reign of God that Jesus proclaimed turns things upside down. We hear it in 
Mary's words before Jesus is born. He brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. We see the reversal theme in his numerous meals with deplorables. His condemnation of the powerful. Think here the Good Samaritan. And his grace for sinners. Think the prodigal son. This reaches its pinnacle in the resurrection itself when God spins death into life. Here the theme of reversal coincides with a teaching about how everyone is a sinner. This is more developed in the theology of Paul, but the core of it is that sin influences all of us. None of us are perfect in our relationship with God or our neighbors, and thus we should repent and carry ourselves with humility. To be a proud or prideful, prideful person is to court God bringing you low. A little over 20 years ago, there was a movie that came out called The Family Man, in which Nicolas Cage starred as a high-flying Wall Street executive. Do any of you remember this movie? It's not particularly noteworthy. All right, he lives a life that other people envied. He is a bachelor with a fancy apartment, an expensive car, and a closet full of perfectly tailored clothes. On the flip side, he is singularly focused on his work. He works in mergers and acquisitions, and there's a deal about to go through on Christmas Eve, and there's more work to be done, so he calls in all of his reports to show up on Christmas Day. That's the type of guy he was. He is so self-confident that he breaks up a heated exchange between a cashier and a disgruntled and armed customer over a lottery ticket because he thinks he can make a few bucks off the situation. The heart of this movie is when the slick corporate suit is transported to an alternative reality where he marries his college sweetheart instead of prioritizing his career. He wakes up in a bedroom in suburban New Jersey with two kids. He works as a tire salesman, and his wife is a nonprofit lawyer. The humor in the film is his shock as he adapts to this new life, caring for the children, suffering the indignities of working for his father-in-law, and how he scrambles to recreate the luxury and prestige of his old life. Predictably, this glimpse into being a family man ends, and he returns to his New York City apartment alone on Christmas Day. He calls off the deal, tells the workers not to report, and commits to living a less self-centered life. He doesn't, of course, renounce his worldly possessions, but he does grab a cup of coffee with his old sweetheart. Is this movie sappy? Absolutely. And still it points to the power of humility to help us reconnect with our higher values. 
It's easy to get caught up in our accomplishments, our good works, our sacrifices that go unnoticed and assume that it makes us more worthy in God's eyes. It is clear from the text today that God is not calling us to be the champions that dominate the competition. And God is not calling us to get walked over either. That's what we learned about last week. God is calling us to live lives in healthy relationship with our neighbor. You know, the dynamics of power can so easily swing the oppressed into oppressors. The the spiritual key to striking this balance is confession. We confess our wrongdoings not to degrade ourselves, but rather to humble ourselves. Keeping up with Jesus' many teachings can be tough, and we routinely fall short. And humility helps us hold them all together, lightly, sharing with others and with ourselves the grace that God has so graciously given us. Amen. Let us continue in the spirit of prayer. Any others? All right, let us continue. All-knowing, all-loving God, we have no reason to hide our true selves from you. You perceive our thoughts and prayers before we make sense of them ourselves. You are a God of justice, leading us in paths of righteousness, And you are a God of grace, tending and nurturing us for the journey. We ask your forgiveness, O God, 
for the many times we have gone astray and separated ourselves from your love. In your mercy, bring us back to the fold. Restore us. Make us whole. Ease our restless spirits in the peace that is you. We give you thanks, O God, for simple prayers that shape and reshape our lives. For the beauty of past peak autumn and rusted colors still lingering on the trees and scattered over the hills. For the many hands that made possible our craft sale, supply sale, that found new homes for old treasures, connected us to our community, and birthed so much joy. Heal our friends and family we love, who are suffering in mind, body, and spirit. For Janet, for Ted, for those wrestling with addiction. Send swift comfort, O oh God, and comfort the ones who care for them. Open our hearts to the needs of children, O oh God. Send, speak to us as a congregation as we discern how to best create a place of loving acceptance that inspires children to faithful lives. Send us someone, O oh God, who hears your call to this ministry. Upend the parts of ourselves that are too comfortable, lest we go on mistreating the earth, O oh God. And help us to find a new balance, to center ourselves in our humility in a way that is gentler on the earth and for the ones we care about. And God, walk with us as we center ourselves in the stories of Jesus, who taught us about humility and also how to speak up for ourselves and for others when the time is right. Carrying this balance with grace. God, it is in the simple words that he taught us that we continue in prayer. Our creator, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
do justice, love kindness, walk humbly, and do all of this with the blessing of the God we know as Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.